with issue for all women. Hello there and a very merry Betwixtmas to you, dear listener. As is becoming a standard issue tradition, Hannah, Jen and I are revisiting our favourite gig casts of times gone by. Like the three ghosts that visit Scrooge on Christmas Eve, but packed with women, cracking anecdotes and loads of laughs. Yeah, kind of feel like Dickens missed a trip there. Anyway, been a bit of a shitter for lots of people this year. Understatement, very much an understatement. So I thought it'd be nice to remember that time there was a big win for ordinary women. It does mean we have to go back five years. Still, let me take you back to 2018 and the joy of Repeal the 8th becoming Repealed the 8th. Not long after that glorious news, we got Marion Keys on the show and so, of course, Hannah asked her about it. In this particular blast from Gigcast past, Dunleavy and I are also joined by Katie Tunstall and Vicky McClure. I know, what a lineup! And we cover all of the big topics. Free crisps, bags of hair, that time Vicky and Shane Meadows had a will you ask him to pass the salt moment and why you should never meet your heroes. Also, finally an important question answered. How wide are Hannah's legs and why does it make her potentially brilliant at Irish dancing? It was a real joy to go back in time to this one and I hope you have as much fun as I did. Welcome to the Standard Issue Podcast. (laughs) Hannah, do you want to do some intros? Yeah, well, as per usual, we usually introduce ourselves with our names, what we do, and a random fact about ourselves. Um, Anyone who comes here regularly will know Mickey and I are now scraping the bottom of the barrel of (laughs) random facts about ourselves, but um, I'm Hannah. I am one of the Standard Issue team. I have a graze on my hand, which I did with an axe. (laughs) Which, given the accidents you could have with an axe, I actually think I got off quite lightly. Mate, given the accidents you can have with a cupboard, (laughs) got off pretty lightly. To be fair, the accidents I have taken off a pair of trousers. (laughs) Katie? Hi, I'm Katie Tunstall, and I somehow managed to make a living making music, which seems incredible. Hello! And uh, a random fact about yourself? A random fact about myself is uh, I, I really like skiing. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, Katie <I'm>... Tunstall, frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been skiing. I'm too scared. Um, I'm Vicky McClure. I'm an actor. And, yeah, I'm very lucky to be doing what I do. It's lovely. <laughs> Cheeky random fact about you, Vicky, that people um, might not know. Random fact, I like a brand sauce sandwich. That's true. <laughs> it's random. <laughs> Marion? Um, I'm Marion Keyes, I'm a novelist, and I don't like horses. Is that, <laughs> <laughs> that okay? Yeah. <laughs> We've not got any in tonight. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, I'm Mickey Noonan, I am part of the Standard Issue podcast team. And uh, the other weekend, my boyfriend came up to stay. I know, I know, right? And um, I, we were sat on the sofa having a glass of wine. And I looked down, and he was just casually holding hands with the cat. <laughs> <laughs> there was, then there was this massive bang as my ovaries exploded. <laughs> well, normally we would open with a question um, for everybody, but actually I'm going to open with a question just for one person, although everybody is more than welcome to chip in. Because who would have thought when we booked Marion Keys to be at this event, I would be able to find myself saying, Marion, tell me what you think about the Eighth Amendment being repealed. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you so 
I feel like I've done it personally. Thank you so much. Yes, it was me. Uh, yeah, I am overjoyed and I'm incredibly touched that it matters to you and that you know about it and that you care. Uh, really, it's, it's been the most momentous thing that has ever happened to me, either politically or personally. Um, and what has been so wonderful about it was that it wasn't led by any political party or, you know, any kind of vested interest. It was just ordinary women. It was a grassroots feminist movement that just, you know, gathered energy and Told, told their stories and got people on board. And, you know, the entire campaign was crowdfunded. You, you know, there was no money from, you know, outside agencies. So it's been the most kind of joyous example of people power. And, you know, in a world like after the Trump election and after, I'm sorry to mention it, Brexit, you know, where it feels like democracy is for sale to the highest bidder. It was just wonderful to have a, you know, a political situation that seems to be bucking the trend, that the power was given back to ordinary people. So I think, no, it means an awful lot for Irish women, but I'm hoping that it kind of inspires all of us, you know, across the world to kind of think, you know, I matter, my voice matters, my energy matters, my opinion matters, and I'm going to try and make the world a better place. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Any message for Theresa May on Northern Ireland? <laughs> um, you're, not going to, you're not going to be able to please the DUP. You know, find, find some other way of uh, propping up your government or else just call an election because um, they are, um, they're worse than the Catholics and that's saying something. Um, it's hard to believe, I know, but they are actually more archaic and more cruel and uh, that really takes some doing. <laughs> Luckily, she's a big fan of the podcast, so she will hear that. <laughs> I am going to start with Katie. Mm. What did you... <laughs> Good enthusiasm, that's what we like. <laughs> what did you want to be when you were a kid? Um, I wanted to be a ballerina. And uh, I do, I do, why do girls... Why, why, I can't even remember seeing any ballerinas. Like, what? It's not like there was ballerinas on the... Maybe it's in shops and stuff, like dolls or Is whatever. Is it in your jewellery box? Maybe it was Do you remember that them tiny. Oh, they were lovely. Yeah. I want to be a tiny ballerina, <laughs> um, made of plastic. Um, I wanted to be a ballerina, so I started uh, dance classes. And I'm small; I'm only five foot two. And um, uh, but I grew to five foot two when I was ten. <laughs> so I was really tall. I was like the tallest person in my class. And um, and my 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 ballet teacher did all sorts of different styles of dance classes and she said to me um katie you're quite athletic i went yeah and she went maybe you should try tap Aww. i got quite good at tap dancing but never <laughs> never became a ballerina do you, do you still do a bit of tap i love a bit of tap i think tap is actually uh part of why i'm good at using a loop pedal can, it's all about using your feet as well. So I genuinely think tap dancing was quite a big deal in my formative years. Do you want to see some? Cool. Yes. yes. Okay. Are you it's, ready? It's, great. it's, it's terrible a for a podcast. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> right. I can, I can uh, live commentate it. Oh, wow. <laughs> I 
just have to apologise because I can't do the arms. I can only do the legs. Uh, for, the listeners, for the listeners at home, buy a fucking ticket. <laughs> yeah. It's a Vicky. strong start, I feel. <laughs> Vicky, what about you? What did you want to be as a kid? Oh, I wanted to be an actor, I did. But I, I was a dancer for a long time. And I did tap dance, and I'm yeah. not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, want, I, was, I was dancing from the age of three. Like, literally, my third birthday was the first day I went to dance class. And just knew that's what I wanted to do. But I was acting at the same time, and then I kind of had to pick one because I was on the way to stage school, and it didn't work. So I had to pick one or the other. And, yeah, I finally got there, <laughs> just about. <laughs> Do you ever look for roles where you could maybe bust out some moves? <laughs> do, you know what, I'm re- do you know It's kind of the dream job, but then I feel like I've lost it. Do you know what, I just don't know if I've got... I don't mind dancing in... You know, if I go out, I'll always dance. I love dancing. But to do it professionally in that way, it frightens the hell out of me. I just think, no, I, I can't do the whole... Because when you go... You know, back then I was like, oh, I got a 90 in my elementary... And to, at that point in my life, that was a massive deal. To everyone else, it's like, yeah, that's not massive. Uh, so maybe I wasn't as good as I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Marion? Um, I'm sorry to kind of um, wreck everybody's buzz, but um, <laughs> when I was a child, all I wanted was to be happy. And uh, I am... Um, oh, I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> and I had no idea that there could be any sort of future for me. And, like, the, the sappy girls in my class all wanted to be um, air hostesses. And I just, I couldn't imagine anything <laughs> fabulous like that ever happening to me. And uh, I just, I used to look at my future, and it was just, like, grey mist, like, stretching out forever. And there would be no happiness for me at any stage. This is true! And, uh, and like, so, and funny enough, I did do, I, I did do ballet, but I also did Irish dancing. Um... But I, I did think, a bit of Irish dance. Come on, will we? Do, come on! No, no. joking. No. Um, but uh, unlike used to, I didn't think I'd have a career in Irish dancing or any sort of dancing. No, um, I didn't expect anything. I'm sorry. <laughs> do you know? But look at you asked an honest question of giving me an honest answer. My, my grandma told me once that I'd be really good at Irish dancing because my legs were the same width the whole way. And it turns out, I wasn't. (laughs) Hannah, what did you want to do when you were little? Um, Well, mostly I wanted to be a journalist. And yeah, I did. Although I did have a brief period in which I wanted to work on the cheese counter at the International, (laughs) which was an inappropriately named supermarket in Newport Pagnell, where I grew up. Um, Because cheese is great, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. And also that... (laughs) This is why I shouldn't have gone on there because I'd have to be sitting here with three severed fingers if I used to work <laughs> on the cheese counter. But, yeah. On the cheese counter with an axe. Yeah. <laughs> but no, actually, just a journalist, really. It's quite boring. But, um, but I am one, I suppose. So, yeah. <laughs> well done. Um, Yay for me. I, I, I always wanted to be a writer as well, or a cat, but obviously that wasn't possible. But I just remembered something that I said to my mum. So my mum was a... a a single mom, she brought me up on her own, and when I was about seven, she said to me, "Well, what do you what do you want to do when you grow up?" And I said, "Well, I want to. I'll meet a man and I'll fall in love." And she was like, "Oh," and I went, "And we'll get married." And she was like, "Oh," and, I went, and then we'll get divorced, <laughs> and I'll keep the kids. She was like, "No, no, no, that's not something to aim for." 
but it is what I had seen, and she did it very well. So yeah. that's very Liz Lemon. Liz Lemon wanted to be somebody's second wife. <laughs> um, my question, and um, let's start with everybody looks down. Then suddenly, when you say, "Let's start <laughs> not with," me, not me. let's start with Marion. Um, if you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? Christ. Um, I have a long list, um, and you're making me pick only one. Um, and maybe the neurotic, uh, but that's such a huge part of me. I, I wouldn't be recognisable. Um, uh, let me see. Um, um, oh. Well, I was going to say, I mean, I'm very prone to bad health, but I love it. You know, like, I mean, one of the things I love about me is that, like, I get all kinds of unusual ailments. And uh, I'm just very interested in the whole thing. But the, I'm not answering your question. Hold on now. Um, uh, the, um, uh, I, um... Would you like to be more decisive? Yes. <laughs> But no, I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, yes, being decisive, that would be lovely. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Katie? Uh, I am very late all the time. And my name is Kate. And I should be called Charlotte Hansel. And then everything yeah. would be fine. But yeah, I'm really bad. I keep people waiting and I feel terrible about it. And I just think five minutes is a really long time. <laughs> and it's not... <laughs> there's the brilliant Ellis James joke where he says the same thing and he says and I go oh and I've got five minutes I could make a risotto Vicky yeah. <laughs> um, I'm really impatient so that would really annoy me <laughs> um, sorry we can't be friends no I know but one of my best friends is always late and she drives me insane with it because you know I will always be somewhere five minutes before I need to be somewhere. That, to me, is on time. <laughs> At the actual time, to me, is late. Like, that's how my brain works. It's just the way my family work, and it's how it's just... Yeah, so patience. I have got very little patience. Yeah. Especially I, on the road. Oh, God, don't. Do you get road rage? Yeah, worse than ever now. I don't know what's happened, but I'm just fuming the minute I get in the car. <laughs> <laughs> like, Pre-angry. <laughs> it's just my neighbour putting the bin out. Like... Yeah, patience. I need to sort that out. Mick? I'm also late for everything all the time. Um, See, but... I've never noticed that because I am also <laughs> no, right? late all the time. We have a late off. <laughs> yeah, we, we get told the show starts at five. That's how they get us here. Um, my mate Hazel is like Vicky and totally like, if you're on time, you're late. Yeah. And five to the time you're supposed to meet, she starts with the pre-rage. Yeah. It's like building up so she can let you have it when you yeah. get there. And I pissed her off the other day because I was a minute early and she was like, oh, there's nothing for it to go. Pent up ball. And I was like. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Hannah, what about you? Well, yeah, I suppose I ought to turn up on time more often. I am not particularly patient. Um, I'd quite like to be a bit taller, I think. Not for any reasons of vanity, but for practical purposes. <laughs> like, it'd be quite nice to just not have to stand on a stool for nearly everything that needs doing <laughs> in my life. Um, yeah. And I'd probably, I could do with a bit more willpower, I think. Oh, yeah, I need some of that. Sorry, it's just made me think, yeah. 
Yeah. I was going to say I should probably drink less, and then I realised I was the only one on stage drinking. So. <laughs> I've already had my beer. It went down quite nice. <laughs> what advice would you give to your younger self if you had the chance? And I'm going to start with Vicky. Oh, just, I guess when you're young, well, when I was young, I probably followed the pack more than I should have done. You know, if they're doing it, I'll do it. Were you a wolf? A little bit. <laughs> yeah. It was a bit. I was a bit wolfy. But I did. And, I, and now I'm, you know, if I say I'm, I'm leaving, I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. You know, like before, it's like, don't go. It's like, oh, okay. And then before you know it, whole shit's kicked off. God knows what's <laughs> going on. Whereas now I'm just, yeah, I do what I want to do. And when I was younger, I, I certainly wanted to just see what was cracking and, and follow everyone else. So I'd probably say that, stop following the crowd. Do you think she'd recognise you if you bumped into her? Who, myself before? Yeah. Yeah, we look similar. Just <laughs> 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 a lot of lines. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not that different. Like, my, all my mates, my sort of really close mates, and my mates from school, and we was all together at the weekend, and, and nothing's changed, you know what I mean? It's, it's just the same shit different year so yeah I don't I, I don't think I'm too dissimilar but it, it's a bit like when you get older I just I, I like I'm, I'm enjoying getting older I'm enjoying just caring less about certain things that I used to care loads about and caring more about things that I should care about and just generally just getting on with my life whereas before I was so caught up in so many things because your head is when you're young your head is full of questions and they're starting to get answered now. So I'm quite embracing the age thing. So, yeah. That's cool. Marion? Um, I'd say to my younger self, younger self, <laughs> you think you're an oddball. But younger self, you are an oddball. <laughs> and the thing is, younger self, make your peace with it because you're going to try and pretend to be normal and you're not going to fool anyone. <laughs> and the thing is your time will come it will be weirdos like all the go and you will be accepted for being peculiar and people won't mind and you'll be able to kind of have a little snigger at them bitches from school (laughs) in their dullard lives (laughs) and uh and also the hair will be sorted out um, it won't be as frizzy. Um, you'll be grand. So, yeah, I have a message of hope for my younger self. Yeah. <laughs> Katie? Um, I would, I would uh, have a chat with my younger self to say, you really, really don't need to worry about everyone liking you. Um, and it's actually really fun if you look at the person that you're worried about not liking you and just going, you're an arse. I don't care if you like me. It's we're fine, and uh, I would, I would. I, that would be very liberating for me as a young kid, not thinking that you've got to be friends with everybody. Um, and it's yeah, it's, Twitter's great, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and do you think she'd recognise you? Um, I've changed a lot since I was younger, particularly as Vicky would say, I'm the same, exactly the same, just absolutely loving particularly my 40s it's just brilliant 
just You're so... You're Yes. Yeah, yes. I was going to say that. <laughs> yes! So oh many less fucks given at, in, on every level. Um, How many and virgins it's... have you sacrificed? Like that? <laughs> Twelve. <laughs> um, yeah, I think um, my younger self would be really chuffed that I was a lot more robust than when I was younger, I think. That's cool. Sorry, Marion, I didn't ask you that. Would your younger self recognise Katie Tunstall? Would you? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I don't think I'm that much different. Um, I th- and I think, well, I think, yeah, she'd recognise me, but she'd be pleased, um, you know, because the hair did get sorted out. And, <laughs> you know, I think, yeah, and that <coughs> I kind of didn't change that much. Yeah, it's a good thing, really. Don't leave me. Yeah, well, I, to be honest, I always give the same answer to this, which is I wouldn't say anything at all because oh, she's such a pain in the balls, 16-year-old me. She wouldn't have listened. She'd have just... In fact, it would have been really hard to get a word in edgeways. It just would have been... So, yeah, I'd probably not say much. But it's a similar thing to everybody else, you know. Why do you obsess about certain... Actually, you know what? I'll tell her something. I used to have a split lane here, down here, which I hated, absolutely hated it. And even, like, I'm not a big makeup wearer. I used to spend ages covering it up, and I was really obsessed by it, and I really hated it. And about 15 years ago, I was holding a cat, and it scratched me, and it caught it, and it bled for about a day and a half, and then it went away. So I suppose I'd say, get a cat to scratch your face earlier. (laughs) (laughs) And And it'll be gone. Not going into medicine. Yeah. (laughs) Just, Just anger more cats. I suppose that would be the advice I would give myself. What about you? I was going to ask, do you think she'd recognise you? Um, well, physically, probably, yes, because I pretty much look the same since I come out of the womb. But um, uh, temperamentally, she probably wouldn't, actually, because I am a lot more, half of this maybe to believe, a lot more easygoing than I was at 16 <laughs> and a lot more quiet and restrained than I was at 16. Yeah, that last bit I find impossible. I know. See, now, now you find understanding why I wouldn't try to have a conversation with her. But maybe I'm being a bit hard on her. She had her moments, I suppose. All right, Mickey here with an advert for BetterHelp Therapy Online. You all right? Such a small question and sometimes such a big question too, eh? Now, regular listeners will know I am no stranger to depression and while over time and with the help of some decent counselling and brilliant friends and family, I've established a toolkit to help when the constantly dripping tap of life gets a bit too much. That does not mean... I am a stress-free human rainbow skipping through meadows. I mean, who is? We all carry around different stresses, big and small, and sometimes we can deal, and sometimes it's much harder to cope. Like, isn't it? Right now, I have a teenage puppy to deal with, and although I love her very, very much, she can be a lot. There, said it. And as quick a fix as it seems to say... I'm fine, I'm fine, and push it all down into the big inside box and put that lid on. For me, that hasn't been a great long-term solution, in that if I don't get it off my chest, it will at some point come bubbling up, and it's never been one to pick its moments in a good way. I find talking means I can avoid it exploding out of me like a messy emotional volcano all over my nana's carpet. Also, during my various times in talk therapy, I discovered that saying something out loud or writing it down can make it seem much more manageable than allowing it to swirl around and grow ever bigger in my head. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. 
I found knowing how to reach out is sometimes the toughest bit, but BetterHelp is entirely online. Boom. Which means it couldn't be easier. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a registered therapist, then work your sessions around your schedule. With more than a thousand therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Standard issue listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash standard. That's betterhelp.com slash standard. I think I'd say to my younger self, could you meet Marion Keys. <laughs> She's going to give you some excellent advice about hope. But yeah, I was the, the little fat kid who got bullied and just really wanted to fit in and never did. And I'd just tell her that it's all going to be okay. Well, not all of it. You're going to go out with some absolute pricks. But apart from that, it's mostly all going to be okay. Um, and just sort of get on with it. And being different is a good thing. It didn't feel it at the time, but being different is a good thing. And I did say this in the, in the last gig we did, but I got bullied so much and the teachers decided they would help, in inverted commas, by making me wear a badge that said, don't pick on me, it's too easy. What? Oh. <laughs> what? Seriously, the bullying stopped immediately. Of course it didn't. <laughs> Jeez. Oh. Yeah, no, right? It's extreme. Catholic school. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, That's wow. terrible. <laughs> So um, I'd like to know what it's like as being a woman in your industry and whether or not you think it's improved in the time that you've been in your industry or whether the, the situation for women. Let's start with Vicky. Yes, my industry is... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it has. And it, it, you know, because of what's happening at the moment and what we have learned over the last year or so... Um, it has to change. And when I got into this business, I was young. I was 16. That's when I kind of got into it. That's not when everybody started to know who I was because nothing really kicked off until about, I don't know, six, seven years ago. Um, and I've never had an experience to talk of, like these, you know, these stories that we keep hearing. Um, but I, I am a strong woman. And that doesn't take away the fact that people, you know, the people that have been affected by uh, these these things, that they're not strong. But I, I, I remember I used to go into town when I was 14, 15, because back then that's, you could, you could get into a club at 14, 15. It, you didn't need ID. You just walked in. And if any man ever came up and grabbed my ass, I'd fucking have him. <laughs> but straight because I just hated it. I don't. I don't like lechy men. I don't like people that seem to assume that all of a sudden there's something cracking off because there's not. So, you know, whether or not that's because I've got that sort of persona about me that it's never occurred, I don't know. I'm just very lucky that it hasn't. Um, but things have changed in our industry. You know, we are constantly fighting for making sure that females are getting as big a roles as men and that we're being paid the same as men and that has to continue it has to be equal it has to be fair and that's something that I you know will definitely be backing all day long because I work and, and live and breathe it and I've said it before you know line of duty it's me and Martin and AD and we all get paid the same do you? yeah good fucking right no too right <laughs> I Absolutely. mean sometimes I look at it and go actually days on days I'm doing more 
<laughs> so technically, I might oh. just need one more pay packet. <laughs> um, but no, we do. We all get paid the same, and I, I've been very vocal about that because, you know, the boys don't question it. I don't question it. It's, you know, we're, we've obviously got a respectful production company that that, um, that understand that. But predominantly in my industry, there is definitely a light shining over it where, um, you know, people are going to be hopefully now way way more protected. Um, and things will be equal, and you know all this shit needs to stop because it's bang out of order. Yeah, I think Line of Duty should be praised also for having a great line in female antagonists. Yeah, no, I know Tandy. <laughs> yeah, she was, and and Keely, and you know, just across the board, we we always it's always a mixed, you know, fifty fifty men and women, and and all walks of life. Um, we have actors that have come from Hollywood, and then we have people that you've never seen before, and yeah, it's. It's great. I mean, yeah, we start again in September. I'm really nervous. It'll make me anxious. Mm. Just the thought of doing the dialogue. I've seen the first app. (laughs) Do you still get the butterflies then when you're about to go on set? Honestly, line of duty is just, it's one of my favourite jobs, but it's, it's just, it's really hard work. You know, it is, it's graft. You, you earn your crust. So, yeah, it just... Let's talk kind about of, it. It's kind of a double acting job for you because you're playing someone who's playing someone else a lot of the time as well. Yeah, and this is where I'm most nervous when I'm just being me because it's like you can hide, but I like hiding yeah. behind a character and I, I like playing Kate and Lol and, you know, all the characters that I get to play. Um, so, yeah, I get to hide all the time. It's lovely. Would, would you like us to bring in a truck that you could have? Uh, with a machine gun? <laughs> <laughs> Did all okay, can ourselves. we bring it in, Jen? <laughs> Don't give it to Hannah. <laughs> yeah. Marion, what's it like being a woman in uh, a woman author nowadays, or female author nowadays? Yeah, um, well, publishing the book world is notoriously sexist, um, you know, because men will read books written by men, um, and women will read books written by men and women. Um, most reviews are written by men, and it's male books that are mostly reviewed. And, um, like, I write books for women and about women, and um, and a title, Chicklet, was slapped on me. And uh, I just think, I mean, there were men doing similar things, you know, writing books about ordinary men, but they were never called Dicklet, you know? <laughs> and, and uh, you know, they were just called literature or novels or books, you know, like, whereas I was kind of given this fluffy, pink, sparkly category it's like oh yeah them crappy chicklets yeah you know they're not really real books they're just kind of coloring in books you know like there is very much but like things have changed in that like the women's prize for fiction um i think that had a huge impact on on kind of how women writers are are respected um you know because in recent years a lot of female writers win the the man booker prize and they didn't for decades um but like you know it's part of a systemic imbalance um you know and like personally i don't complain about my lot because i am far more concerned with women in you know who experience violence in the home mm. i'm very much concerned about you know the very low rape conviction rate you know i mean but the, our entire society is systemically sexist. And I think it affects everything that is done by all women. Great. May, may I ask you about covers? Because 
a few people who haven't read a Marion Keys novel had gone, oh, she's chitlit. And I'm like, no, yeah. she covers depression, alcoholism, like really hardcore, hard yeah. subjects that women aren't usually allowed to talk about. But your covers can give an impression of chitlit. And yeah. I heard an interview with Jojo Moyes where she was saying she didn't really have much say in a cover and it infuriated her. Yeah, I don't have any say either. Um, in recent years, in fairness, they've made more of an effort to de-pink me. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but no, because I suppose publishers are, are trying to, to sell their product. And, you know, even though we don't like it, you know, everything is targeted at a particular marketplace. So they think if they fling a load of pink and, and shoes and fluff on a cover, that it will signal, you know, lo- all the lols, men's <laughs> shoes, you know, nice things. Um, there is that book you wrote called All the Lols. <laughs> yes. So, no, but I've no say, really, in the covers. But it's that across the board in publishing. Ah, it is, really. Yeah, right, okay. it is. Yeah, it is. And, I mean, you can see it, like, in, in, you know, how covers are done in different countries. You know, it's all about marketing. It's all about, you know, targeting an audience. Fair enough. Katie? Um, music seems like the sort of place that will be a haven of no well, sex. It's weird, whatsoever. isn't it? Because it, like, oh, it's interesting because you've not really seen the wave of Me Too movement move into music industry so much yet. I don't know if it will or not. It's it's weird in music because there's really no rules. So I can talk to another female artist or another male artist. And they've had a really radically different experience from me of how they got there, how they've got a manager, how their manager operates. There's just, there's not, it's basically really crooked. <laughs> there's just no, there's no kind of rule book of how things are done. Um, <clears throat> so everyone's had a really different experience. Um, mine on the live side has been fantastic. On the industry side, not so great. Um, I've been pretty lucky I think partly because I'm not a musician who takes my clothes off. I think that if you get mostly naked, then people are going to... And if you write kind of overtly sexual music, then you're probably going to be, you know, treated differently. People are going to interact with you differently. I remember when I was trying to get a record deal... uh, Nora Jones had become really popular. It was the first time a, a, a female solo artist had kind of broken through. It was all just boys with, uh, you know, in indie bands. And uh, Nora Jones got massive. And I remember going round trying to find a record deal. And I, I can't remember um, which, which record company it was, but I went in for a meeting and I played a song. And the guy behind the desk said, yeah, that's really good, but we've got a girl who plays something. Aww. And I just was like, right. how many guys have you got who play something? Yeah. Like, what? And I remember thinking to myself, no, oh, I'm not going to get signed. I was like, fuck you. Yeah. As if I want to be on a label that working with someone who thinks like that, you know? Um, but, I mean, there was probably a bit of pressure on me uh, to stay this kind of nice, friendly girl next door. They didn't, the record label didn't really want me to change, but I think that was more about not changing because I'd sold a ton of records mm-hmm. rather than it was just keeping the product the same, I think is what they wanted to do. And I was kind of fighting against that. The live side, 
I've been asked a couple of times to do panels where it's talking about sexism in the industry. I'm like, I'm not really the right person for that panel because my experience working with live crew and bands is that guys are way nicer when there's a woman around in on the live side. And I have been on tour buses that are all guys and it's disgusting. <laughs> it is vile does it just and, smell of uh, links africa it's just no you you like you are wishing for links africa you are you are enjoying the little blue thing that's in the toilet on 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 a male tour bus all male tour bus so as soon as a woman comes in it's amazing the guys just all they're just politer they're more thoughtful uh, and i think being being a woman in music and I think being a player, uh, I've just been, I've been treated with amazing respect and um, I love working with guys. It's, I've loved it. It's been great. So I think the important thing with music is that we just really need to call it out when we see it there and then. It's easy to go, oh God, that's not good. But I think, I think probably across the board with anything, it's about actually being vocal at the time in the face of it and nip it in the bud if you see it happening. Absolutely. Yeah. I told a man off a man spreading on the tube earlier. <laughs> did you? What did you say? Well, he knocked my cup of tea into his own leg by man spreading <laughs> and then did, made a big fuss about it. And I pointed out if he wasn't sitting with his legs so wide apart, taking up all my space, it wouldn't have happened. What did he say? What did he say? He kind of pulled a face and then he just put his earphones Did he put his knees closer together? Actually, he crossed them. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Triumph! And I thought, just do that. It'll be brilliant. Just take up all of his space now. But, yeah, I didn't. What about in our industry, Hannah? Because oh. journalism, that's, like, full of women as well. Oh, no, no, not at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, we Sarah started Standard Issue because, like, I mean, it's sort of two different issues for me now. There's the issue of me as the journalist and there's the issue of me as the consumer because I do also read things as well as write things. I know. <laughs> Actually, you'd be surprised how many journalists don't. Uh, um, <laughs> you can tell who they are. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, from the point of view of sort of the things that were being sold to what are the way things are written for women and the things that market are women, does impact on when you are a woman, the sort of things that people ask you to write, that you just be like, I can't, can't do fashion, I can't do things like that. So you've got to have more. And I think the impact is when you look at things like, you know, you, you women here, there aren't enough reviewers. There definitely aren't enough female reviewers. So I think you get um, uh, the male gaze of, of a book or of an album or of a television series or a film. And I just think, why didn't you just ask her? Like, that guy was not the market for that. So why did you get him to review? Why didn't you have a reviewer who is the market for that, who's going to say, actually, it's really good if you like this sort of thing, which yeah. is, you're allowed to say that. I mean, critics don't have to like everything, but it's useful if they don't just write things off because it just happens to be not their bag. And yeah. quite often, not their bag means female-led, unfortunately. Yeah. I, think. I used to review for Metro, the <coughs> paper you get on the trains and stuff, and I reviewed films, books, music, and comedy, and I had to fight to be able to do music reviews because a woman wouldn't understand, like, music, like what like huh? properly it was a proper little boys club of too many adjectives and wanking and i was like <laughs> i want in on that <laughs> but yeah i had to really fight books i was given certain books 
you know, films, I was allowed to go and see certain films. And comedy, I sort of made my own. But music, it was just such a... And theatre. Theatre. We tried to find a theatre reviewer for a piece that we were write, uh, writing. And there's basically about three of them in the whole country. It's yeah, like, now they've fired Lynn yeah. Gardner because <laughs> the Guardian are pricks. Theatre reviewers are, are almost exclusively male, which is oh. just preposterous. It really is. I must admit, my lady eyes do get confused when people are moving on stage. Yeah, though, right? sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. <laughs> it's a bit much. <laughs> Have a lie down. I get the <laughs> swoon. <laughs> okay, let's talk about something brighter. Yeah. So I'm going to start with Marion. What is the best thing in your career so far? Oh, my God. Um... Mm, I mean, the best, it, it's all been lovely, really. The best thing is, I suppose, that I've been allowed to keep doing it for so long. I can't believe I'm, I've still managed to get away with it, and thank you all very much. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, like, I mean, most people kind of get, a, you know, five years, and good luck to you, and good girl, and off you go now, and get another job. You know, the <laughs> fact that I have been allowed to do it for 23 years is just beggar's belief. I, you know, I really, I'm immensely grateful. Um it, you know, is that enough? Is, is that, um, yeah, that yeah. people still read them and stuff. It's just fabulous. Um, that would really be the nicest bit. Um, so your career is the best bit about your career? The longness of it, the fact that I'm allowed to still do it. You know, I thought like I might get two books maybe out of it. Um, hold on now, I must have met somebody famous. I'm, I'm thinking now, come on, I must have. Um, the odd time I get sent things, um, uh, Aldi have me on their mailing list now. <laughs> and uh, uh, last Friday week, I got sent three uh, tubs of, like, they look like the Marks and Spencers, tubs of um, little, like, biscuity snack things, but they're miles cheaper. Like, they're about a third of the price. So, yeah, things like that are lovely. The, <laughs> the free things are lovely. The free Aldi things in particular are lovely because it was all chocolate. I shouldn't say that, though, sure I shouldn't. Uh, oh, no, I'll tell you. Actually, I do. I, I genuinely mean this. Um, writing, you see, because I write about oddballs because I have no other... Uh, material. And, uh, and I always felt disconnected, you, you know, from the world and from other people. And I always felt like I was out of step with everything. And the lovely thing about writing about these peculiar people is that I have felt connection. You know, people read them and they go, thank Christ, I thought it was only me. And I go, you're like that too? And then we're best friends forever. You know, so like that actually is incredibly meaningful. Um, that I kind of put my truth out there and people... People responded and said, come on, we'll all be in our own little gang of oddballs united. And that's like genuinely, it means an awful lot. And I, I, I'm being sincere about that, although I do like the Aldi stuff as well. Vicky? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Taito sent me <gasps> some stuff. <laughs> and uh, yeah, let's plug Taito again because I've run out. Yeah, that was great. Free, oh. free Taito. Free Tato. They're better than Walkers. I know we shouldn't be they saying are. brands, but I'm just saying. Um, what's? I think my. This is England for me. I know it's you know not coming back. If ever, if it is, then you know it's not yet. So, but it was, it was what put me here, and it's just the joy playing Lol as much as there is very little joy in her life. <laughs> um, 
it was, I don't know, there's, there's nothing that will ever compare to that gang of people. We're all still very close and, you know, you could put us all together tomorrow and nothing will have changed. And so that was the reason I've got my career. That's the reason I've got jobs in, you know, in other shows. And so I guess that's, you know, a big part of the best part of my career. But ultimately, I'm just like, you know, I worked in an office for eight years. I'm getting to, like, live the dream. I get to go to work, and my work is to act. I remember being, like, so close to getting a job in Emmerdale, and I have, like, the utmost respect for soap actors because, you know, they have to shoot a birth and a murder and, you know, an explosion all in one day, and that must be really stressful. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it's solid work. But I remember thinking, I don't want the job but I want to be able to just act and that be my job. And it's not far from home and, you know, logistically it all seemed to work. Um, and I didn't get the job and, I, you know, obviously it was good in hindsight, but ultimately that's all I want to do. I just want to act. So that's the best part about it. Fair enough. It did feel like with This Is England, it felt like a family. You guys, it certainly came across. Yeah, I mean, that. dysfunctional in many ways. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it we felt all... like my family. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's why we all feel very at home. Because it's, yeah, it's just people, we're all from a very similar world, but, you know, walks, all different walks of life. And yet we all just, because when Shane made the film, it wasn't the plan to go any further with it. Um, It was actually Thomas Turgus who plays Sean. His mum passed away. Um, And we all got a minibus to go to the funeral just to support him. And it was then Shane sort of noticed that we'd created something that maybe we should explore. There's a story about, I can't remember which one it was, but Joe had to be kept away from you all to make it. Oh, yeah. So Woody was like sad. Oh, that was the saddest thing I ever read when I read that. Oh, I know, and I got in big trouble. Just peering through the window at you all having fun. Well, yeah, so 88, I don't know if any, if you've seen 86, then, you know, it moves on to 88. And at that point, we don't see each other until the very end of the series. And Shane Meadows had basically said, you two aren't to see each other. Because me and Joe were, you know, were close and um, we'd have just gone out and everyone would have just got on with it. So he's one end of Sheffield, I'm the other end of Sheffield. We'd made a pact, we won't see each other. Even get into, like, base, I'd be, like, locked in my trailer, he'd get out the car, get in his trailer, then I can, you know. It was... But then one night I bumped into him and I was like, oh, oh. And then we went to this gig and he was there and I was like, oh, well, it's ruined now, so let's have a drink. And then Shane came back the next day and I was like, I've got something to tell you. I saw Woody yesterday. It wasn't planned. He was like, get out the flat, you're moving to a hotel. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, so I got chucked out of my hotel, out of my flat. And um, me and Shane are like best mates. Like I saw him like two days ago. Um, And we had a massive argument and we didn't talk all day the next day on set. And I was being like directed by the second, by the first AD. But luckily it was a scene where all I had to do was like put my head against the wall and cry. So I felt really like <laughs> emotional. <laughs> so it worked perfectly. And was then it I like moved a in. Family dinner, literally. Like, the next can you day. tell her to pass the salt? <laughs> yeah, no, literally. It was like Vicky Shane. Um, I was like, yeah, Shane, what? <laughs> <laughs> Does he now? <laughs> um, so yeah, but all's well that ends well. Amazing. Katie? Well, <laughs> right, it's Halloween, right? And it's like 2009 or something like that. And about six months before this, I had, I, I'd, I'd made friends over a few years with Vanessa Carlton, 
Thousand Miles. Great girl. Anyway, she's really, really close. I really got that. Sorry. I would. Anyway. She is really good friends with Stevie Nicks. Right? Lord. Anyway, so a few months before Halloween 2009, I don't know if it was 2009, it was around that time. Um, she was in LA, I was in LA. She said, uh, it's my birthday, Stevie's taking me out for dinner. Do you want to come? And I was like, mm, yes. <laughs> so went out for dinner, met Stevie Nicks. I mean, just, in, just too much. She's amazing. She's like, she's completely off script and totally <laughs> down to earth at the same time. She's just, we went back to her flat. She was just going... Her, her cousin was there who's young and she'd had her hair cut off and she didn't like it. And she's like, I got all my hair from the European tour in 75. And she like brings out a massive bag full of fake hair. It was just amazing. It was everything. And she was like, here are my pictures of the fairies that I did. And I was like, oh man, this is amazing. And anyway, it was an incredible experience. But then fast forward to Halloween, right? It, Fleetwood Mac had reunited and we're going on tour and I'd never seen them play their one of my favorite all-time bands ever. Huge inspiration for me, Fleetwood Mac. Big deal. So uh, Vanessa says, oh, I'll sort you out tickets in London. I was like, oh, amazing, amazing. So get these tickets, and they're probably five rows back from the stage at Wembley. It was insane. We're standing there. And Vanessa says to me, you've got to go and say hello to her after the show. I was like, I can't do it. I don't know her. We went for dinner once. She won't remember who I am. It'll be London. Think her It'll... bag of hair. Huh? <laughs> I know. Just like... That you... means you're like yeah, that. I'll be like, do you remember me? Like the hair, the bag of hair? No, don't worry. Um, and uh, I said, all right, I'll go and say hi. But I was feeling a bit mortified about it in case she didn't know who I was and all that. So five rows back. Four songs into the set. The band leave the stage. It's Stevie Nicks and Lindsay Buckingham. And she says, to Wembley Arena, I want to dedicate this to a rocking chick. This song is for Katie Tunstall, who's in the house tonight. And they played Landslide. Oh! Oh, yeah! (laughs) I can die now! Were you just throwing hair at the stage? (laughs) (laughs) So what I, I told this story to a friend of mine. He said, oh, my God, I would throw up on my own back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just unable to take it. Oh, that's brilliant. It was, yeah, so that's, that's my favorite career moment so far, I think. It just, I was just standing there going, I was crying, obviously. <laughs> but I was like, there's really an, only a finite amount of people on the planet who will ever have this song dedicated to them by her. And I won now. That's amazing. Can I have the certificate, please? Yeah. <laughs> what, you wanted more? Yeah, I wanted more. <laughs> <laughs> Proof. <laughs> Hannah? I've got to follow that, haven't I? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us all about your bags of hair. I was just thinking, <laughs> what, what bag of hair story have you got? Oh, wait, I did get, I did get a highlight, career highlight. I did once get a certain pallet of carnation milk by Tesco. Oh. Yeah, a palette. There's, there was a lot. Of, I was giving that stuff away for years, for years and years. They just sent it to me randomly because I had mentioned it in a detrimental way in a column, and they thought it was I was writing, and they thought it would be funny to send me my own body weight in it. Um, and yeah, um, 
But probably not that, actually, to be honest. Um, I've just got an image of you just sat in your like lounge, like uh, just sat. Oh, <laughs> 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 well, not this stuff again. Um, and yeah, well, at the risk of sounding like I'm trying to get a cheap chair, I would say we went to Ireland recently and made a documentary about the eighth. And I feel I, I wanted really in my life, I think partly to be just to just be near history. I just find it really exciting, and I couldn't be a historian, but I could be a journalist, and that's kind of the appeal of it. So to actually have been and talked to people who were doing amazing, something amazing, like something. You were saying, I mean, we, 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 we needed a win, women in the world, yeah. I think. So to not to be, we weren't part of it. We, we can't take any you credit were. for it. But to, to stand really fucking close to it while it was happening <laughs> is, I feel quite, quite proud of, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I went with you. It was good. I liked it. I liked waltzing into Irish Parliament in my cut-off shorts because I didn't realise you were going there. That was fun. <laughs> Um, uh, Standard Issue is my career highlight. I've been a journalist for 20-odd years and um, written about comedy and the arts and the fluffy stuff. And actually, I feel like... And also, I used to be a uh, Maxim sexpert. <laughs> Four positions, everything else is a variation on a theme. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was just nice to be making a difference and like speaking to women and championing their voices instead of teaching men how to jerk off on trains. In the magazine, by the way. Not like you're <laughs> doing that wrong, mate. <laughs> so, yeah, standard issue. Okay, um, how about we ask, if you could go for a pint with any woman on earth, who would it be? Katie Space. <laughs> Just trying to think. It used to be Stevie Nicks. Right, <laughs> right. Okay, let's start with Marion then. God, this is actually incredibly awkward. I'll tell you why. Um, <laughs> I, um, I had a massive crush on um, Aung San Suu Kyi, um, who was um, the uh, arrested, imprisoned leader of Burma. And uh, I, like, for years, like, you know, used to say that she was the person that I'd love to have for dinner and everything because I felt, you know, God love her and the house arrest and everything and her fighting for democracy and isn't it awful. And I did actually meet her. Um, in Dublin after after she was finally freed and after Burma got democracy and and, uh, and you know it was really lovely to meet her and I wrote about it and everything and then it all turned mm. horrible and and it sort of made me feel like my God be careful who you make your heroes um, we've all got feet of clay. Um, so I'm sort of afraid to say anyone in case they turn out to be, you know, an ethnic cleanser. Um, <laughs> or, or, you know, like... Uh, uh, but I will say I have a big crush on Claudia Winkleman. If, if, and I hope I have not jinxed things terribly. Um, <laughs> We met, we met her. She did one of our shows. I don't think she's into ethnic cleansing. Okay. <laughs> she certainly didn't bring it up when we asked the question. Oh, great, great. Vicky? Uh, I can't follow that. Um, well, if, like, if I could go with anyone, then I'm going to go with somebody that's not here anymore. Um, oh, that's safe, because then they can't do anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So then it's like, you know, it's just a pipe dream. But I was obsessed with the Carpenters when I was younger and Karen Carpenter. 
And it was because I'd watched the film and I was so distressed by it, because obviously, you know, her passing away and just... But her lyrics, like, I can't... Like, from such a young age, I was so obsessed and had so much, like, you know, I'd buy all their CDs and I just loved her, and I still do. So I'd love to go for a pint with her and tell her it's all going to be all right. Mm. Could you buy us some dinner? Yeah, and (laughs) definitely... (laughs) Yeah, burger. <laughs> yeah, but I did. I, I loved her. Um, Joan of Arc, be good. I mean, as we could, if we could, I, I don't think she was old to, enough to drink. Was she? I know. I'd have to speak French. I'm not very good at she. Whatever. But I, I don't know. Maybe we might not have anything in common. Um, <laughs> Sit down, I, and she say, "Right, let's talk about Jesus." Yeah, <laughs> um, but. I would love to have met Janice Joplin. Oh, Ooh, my God, that's a good one. And actually I having a Janice. pint with Janice Joplin probably would have ended up... In prison. ...being pretty yeah. epic. <laughs> <laughs> but um, just to... I don't know, I think that time in music was uh, very, very singular. I don't know if that can ever happen again, really. That freedom and that madness and all the people who were in charge of the record labels were fucking mad. Never yeah. mind the people who were signed. Have you seen the the documentary about her? Yeah, it, yeah. In it, there's the the I've footage the of her on, sta- one, on not, stage, yeah. and yeah. It's, it's, she's just being amazing. And they cut to the crowd, and Mama Cass is in the crowd, yeah. and she's just doing that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she, and she turned around to amazing. Like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. And, and it's amazing. You think if you blow her away, then like you. Yeah. You, and just right that talk. she was quite an unusual character in the midst of all of that. You know the way that she looked and. She kind of, she was basically behaving like the guys were yeah. at that time. And, um, yeah, I think that would be an amazing pint. Or five. Or ten. <laughs> yeah. With LSD in it. <laughs> yeah. Mick? Um, again, not at the risk of sounding like I'm trying to get a cheap result, but I, I really wanted to be in Dublin or Ireland when the results came in because just... To, to get some of that atmosphere. So, second best thing. What was it like? Uh, listen, I'm really sorry about this, but I wasn't there. What the fuck? It's <gasps> awful. Oh I'll tell you, God. I Why was made for work. I ha- it was the most terrible timing. I had to come over here for work on Friday. So, um, I wasn't there. And I tell you, it killed me. It, I was absolutely gutted uh, to not be there. And, you know, I was invited to... Uh, to a thing in Dublin Castle and everything, and I couldn't go. And, um, yeah, like, I was at the Bath Literary Festival on Saturday, and, you know, I had agreed to it long before the uh, the date was set for the referendum. And, you know, I didn't think that I could kind of say, I'm sorry, lads, all of you who've bought tickets, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not coming. But And also, there was the fear that it would be a no. Yeah. And to be honest, I don't think I could have bared to be in Ireland for it. But, um... Like you, I would have loved to have been there. I re- and I th- I'm really touched that, that you would have, um, would have liked it. Come anyway, we're having a march. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seriously, we're having a march on the 30th you of September. The, the, a march on the 30th of September to, you know, and it's the final march because we were having marches every September for the past since, I think, 2013, you know, to try and kind of raise awareness. But this is just a celebratory one. Come over, you can stay with me. I've got two spare bedrooms. Seriously, you're both welcome. No, well, truly. That, no, that, because that does seem somewhat typical of the English to just turn up to the, the party march at the end. <laughs> 
No, but you did the work. <laughs> yeah, that's a yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Thanks. Hannah? Oh, who would I get for pride with? Uh, I do traditionally say Eleanor Roosevelt because she was amazing, um, but she um, probably wasn't a drinker, so I would go with the person I think would have a drink. Well, in fact, I know for a fact Eleanor Roosevelt wasn't a drinker, um, but Carrie Fisher was. I think I'd like to spend some time with Carrie Fisher, given the the choice. Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. But she'd certainly have come out with you. That's all we've got time for, but just going to ask our excellent guest if there's anything that you'd like to plug. So when is Lols for All Out? (laughs) Marion, is there anything you'd like to plug? Oh, Christ. This is so embarrassing. Right, I have a book coming out on Thursday. Um, uh, As luck would have it. Um, It's um it's already been out in hardback. It was out in uh, in last autumn. It's out in paperback now. It's much cheaper. Um, it's called the break, uh, and uh, it has all the lols, um, as we discussed. And it doesn't have a pink cover because I have Woo! been depinked. So thank you for letting me say that. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I think you can buy it in the foyer. Oh, you can. You can buy uh, an early copy four days before the rest of the world, if that's your kind of thing. Vicky. <laughs> Um, I've just played a lady from Dublin. Oh. Yeah, I'm not going to do the accent. You can uh. see it on telly. Um, yeah, that's the next thing that's coming out. It's it's to do with the Warrington bombings. and so it's a TV very sad or film? It's a film for TV. Great. Um, yeah. For both. <laughs> Mixing it up. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a film for TV. Danny Mays is in it, Anna Maxwell Martin. And um, it's a really, you know, it's, it's a true story. So I hope we've done it justice. Uh, what's it called? Right. What channel? It's called Mother's Day and it's BBC Two. And I don't know when it's out, but I know that's the next thing. And you start filming Line of Duty in September? Yeah. Come on, get on with yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Katie? I've got a new record out this year. Which is uh, and it's coming out at the end of the summer and I made it with uh, Nick McCarthy from Franz Ferdinand is produced oh, and cool. he's left the band and I'm producing so very rocky and um, before that comes out I will be hitting lots of outdoor venues with the pretenders and simple minds oh, wow. oh, come will you tap dance yes I'll tap dance <laughs> will you have any bags Chrissy of hair <laughs> Hannah um well, only, uh, hey, how about we plug our Edinburgh shows? Because this is actually our last show in London until September. We're having a break. We're in Manchester. Um, we're in Cheltenham. No, we're and in Manchester. Harwich. Harwich. And also we are up in Edinburgh. We have two in-conversation shows. And we do. two um, stand-up shows. So if you are in Edinburgh, we are there. 12th? 13th. Should I have done this bit? <laughs> 12th, 13th, and 14th. I, th- I think it comes across as more endearing. They just feel sorry and turn up because <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's on at some point. Mickey will tell you. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be really good if you head up that way. Uh, it's a really good vibe. And you should come and see us. Hannah and I aren't doing stand-up. Don't worry about that. We're just, <laughs> just doing this shit. Um, and also, just check us out at Standard Issue UK on Twitter. And we release a new podcast on a Wednesday, usually on a Sunday as well, with an extended chat. And if you're curious about repealing the 8th, which has now happened, whoop, whoop, then do give our podcast a listen, because they're pretty good, and you will do this about Irish history. <laughs> <laughs> Quite a lot. Yeah. 
That's it. That's it. Thanks very much for coming. Please join me in thanking our guest, Katie Tinsel, Vicky McCall, Marion Keith, and Standard issue for all women. <laughs>